Some of our veterans are going over to protect Ukrainians' borders, but our commander-in-chief has kept our borders wide open. Memorial Day is a day to remember the courage of our valiant vets. This is Bob Boyd. And Jerry Boyd. This is Issues in Education. Freedom is not free, but purchased by the blood, sweat, and tears of soldiers who gave up their tomorrows for your todays. The greatest danger that we face in America is a generation who has absolutely no idea of the price paid for our freedom. The monstrous crushing of Ukraine's freedom by the barbaric, brutal, iron-fisted Russia has been a wake-up call to the sleeping, happy-day, naive generation who's more concerned about what gender to be today who have never seen the atrocities of slaughter, rape, and genocide as in the Ukraine-Russia war. There are hundreds, perhaps thousands, of veterans who have gone to fight with Ukraine against Russia. One Canadian said he went to fight because Canada is between Russia and the USA. He is called Cavi. When Putin rattled the nuclear saber, he threatened the whole world with fire. Canada is right in between the U.S., and Russia. That's where all these missiles that he's threatening with are going to be flying over. So that's what brings me here. Cavi's not alone. The Ukrainian called Roman vets the backgrounds of the volunteers that want to fight against the Russians. There is more than 20,000 of these militaries serving all over the Ukraine. Many of them had a very good experience, even in hot spots. But now there are less of these experienced soldiers, and more, many of them are more volunteers. They had some military experience serving in a peacetime. Some have combat experience, some have no military experience at all. Brian, a 25-year-old from Minnesota who served two years with the Marines in Okinawa, Japan, says he will give up his life to help Ukrainians. I'm a U.S. Marine. (laughs) If I have to die to help these people, I will. That's right. He's laying down his life. The volunteers aren't paid by any government, America, Canada, or Ukraine, but they pay their own way. They're soldiers for the cause of freedom. Ben Bush served two tours of duty in Iraq as a Marine. And our personal connection was to him and to the overall effort of a democracy fighting to be a democracy. And another says we are called to help one another. And as he looked at his two young sons, he saw this as an opportunity to show them how to be helping other people. I kind of landed on an old line, for whom the bell tolls, for what are we born if not to aid one another? Looking at my two young sons and thinking of that line, I just felt like this was a unique opportunity to show them how to be the men and grown-up adults I, I aspire for them to be. Some of the volunteers said that there were foreigners who helped us in our war for independence to fight the British. This is what the Germans and French did for us when we were in a similar situation during the American Revolution. People came over and helped us train. These are everyday people who want the same things that you and I want back home. Peace, and prosperity, opportunity for a better life for their children. While some courageous Americans go to help secure Ukraine's border, our commander-in-chief, Joe Biden, deserted American civilians and Afghan allies, and he pulled our military completely out of Afghanistan, leaving $85 billion worth of the world's most sophisticated military gear for our enemies. Sounds like treason to me. While some people want to help secure Ukraine's sovereignty... Our commander-in-chief has opened our southern border to illegals from all around the world, including terrorists. If an enemy tried to do what our commander-in-chief has done, 
to this country by abandoning our allies and opening the floodgates for an illegal invasion, we'd have seen it as an act of war. Yet our nation continues to allow our sovereignty to dissolve with 18,000 illegals a day streaming into our nation. 18,000 a day is a half a million a month. A half a million a month. That's the size of the city of Atlanta. Every month, a half a million. That's going to totally change the makeup of this country. Mark Levin is an attorney and author of American Marxism and host of the TV program on Fox called Life, Liberty, and Levin. This administration is proudly destroying American sovereignty. Now, when you're talking about 18,000 people a day, you multiply that by 30. You're talking about half a million people every month or so. That's the size of a substantial city. Where are all these people going? Where are they going to eat? Are they going to get jobs? Are they going to be on the welfare rolls? Are they going to be using our uh, public services? They get free education as a matter of Supreme Court precedent. How many of these people hate us? How many of these people are criminals? How many of these people are bringing communicable diseases? How many of them are drug traffickers? How many of them are sex traffickers? Biden doesn't care. This is the greatest crisis facing the United States of America today. The consequences of this for generations to come, it's unimaginable what's going to happen to this country. You cannot have a country, a civil society, a unified culture when your border is wide open. There's not another country on the face of the earth that's doing what we are doing. And this is intentional. This is part of the American Marxist attitude about America. But no country can survive with what Joe Biden's doing to this country. Mark Levin said that the greatest crisis facing America today that will have consequences far beyond this generation and will affect this country for generations to come is the Biden declaration of allowing illegals to invade this nation. This is intentional to destroy what so many brave people died to give us. And for what? Yeah, really, for what? To make America one-party state like the Democrats did in California? No country can survive what Biden's doing to this country. This is an effort to destroy the traditions and customs and institutions of the United States, one way or another. When you look at the executive orders that Joe Biden has signed, when you look at how he talks about the American people, we are racist, we are homophobic, does he understand this is the greatest country on the face of the earth, no thanks to him? You look at the United States military, the social experimentation and engineering that's going on with the greatest fighting force on the face of the earth. Every institution of this culture is under attack, from the classroom, from the military, law enforcement, it's part of a bigger movement. When you're attacking the very founding of the nation, when you're pulling down monuments of Abraham Lincoln and Ulysses S. Grant and others, replacing books with all kinds of perversion and so forth in our public schools, when you push God out of the public square and pull transgenderism into the public square, I'm just being honest, you're destroying the culture. Something terrible has gone wrong. And let me tell you something, the saboteurs are not the American people. They are the self-appointed elitists in this country, the politicians, the media, 
The self-appointed elitists, the vast majority of the American people aren't buying any of this stuff. One has to wonder what the elitists think of our heritage. Think how the liberals have used our military and schools to try to change the values and patriotism that made America one nation under God. Biden wasn't elected to destroy our nation. The destruction of American foundations is the pulling down of statues of our heroes like Lincoln, the changing of our history like the 1619 Project, and the dividing of our nation with CRT, critical race theory. History books have been sanitized of our patriotic forefathers so that this generation has no sense of the greatness and glorious heritage that God has given us. Our guest is John Steer, a heavily decorated and distinguished Vietnam veteran who's written four books and recorded 17 albums. We hear this phrase, there are no atheists in foxholes. Did you ever cry out to God? Just like when you went through jump school, and I use the example a lot, I never seen anybody jump out of the side of a C-130 airplane whose lips weren't moving. You know, who were they talking to? There's nobody out there but open space. Yeah, I was crying out to God. November 19th, 1967, my outfit lost 287 guys, most of them out of one battalion, the battalion I was with. What was interesting, you were hit by a 550-pound bomb from our own planes. Right. I had been shot twice in the back of the neck and the shoulder through my left arm, and I'd been hit in the foot, and I'd been hit in the groin, and I'd been burned in the chest, an RPG round hit close by me, and the flame of it, the explosion of it got me in the chest. I, I cried out, God, don't let me go to hell. I didn't uh, think I was going to live, and I didn't know about heaven and all this stuff for sure. God heard my prayer, and I passed out for I don't know how long. When I woke up, all my bleeding had stopped. My right arm was gone. My right leg was almost gone. But the difference was I was a new creature in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. The Lord spoke to you and said, I spared your life so that you could have the ministry I've given to you. Amen. God reminded me of so many times that I should have died. And it was like, who do you think kept you alive? And he would just show me a movie in my head of the times that I should have been killed, not only in combat, but in the States. Tell us about your praying for that sick little girl and how she miraculously recovered. This guy called me up and he said, my little girl's sick. Would you come down and pray with her? So we went down. I went down to his house and she was burning up with a fever in his living room. And I put my hands on her and I said, Lord, just, just touch this little girl, not really expecting anything, wanting to get through that so I could say, okay, Okay, now let's take her to the hospital. And her burning little forehead became cool under my fingertips. I just felt the presence of God. The first time I saw the Vietnam Memorial, I just sobbed and sobbed and sobbed. You just see name after name after name, and every one of them had been killed yeah. in Vietnam, and it's just such a... They're not names, they're people. And each one stands for somebody that you loved, and they're gone. Yeah, you wrote, the names on the black granite became people once again. Right. I said as I cried, thanks for dying for me. Well, in 1990, you went to Russia and met with Russian majors who... these. Were the Russian majors who helped the North Vietnamese army kill American soldiers. Right. And then you spoke to them, and they said, you have a God in America that we don't have. Yeah, that's right. But how did you feel about these guys? At first, this one guy was talking, and he was an artillery officer over the North Vietnamese in an area where we'd taken artillery. And I was sitting there clicking my pocket knife in my pocket, thinking, I can gut this guy. I can kill him before anybody knows it. And I'm fighting with the Lord. I'm still flesh and blood. I'm dealing with this 
this myself. And then when the guy starts speaking through an interpreter, yeah, the first thing he says is, you all have a God in America that we don't know anything about, we don't have. And so right then and there, sitting there, I just repented between me and the Lord, and I put my pocket knife down. While I was in the Soviet Union, I, I said to the lady there, is there no veterans here at the hospital this weekend? I can't believe everybody goes home. She said, no, there isn't any veterans here, just the World War II veterans. I said, well, we were allies in World War II. Let me go talk to them. So I went up to the ward where all the World War II veterans were, and I opened my briefcase, and I took out a little tape recorder, and I started playing that song, Wounded Soldier, and singing, just standing there by myself. And they started asking me questions like, is God still alive? And they were just as serious as they could be. And within 20 minutes, I led about 50 World War II veterans to Christ, and they were just crying. And some of them gave me their medals, and one of them gave me a watch. The only thing that they own, but they were so thankful to receive Christ that they wanted to bless me for coming there and sharing that with them. Boy, that's powerful. And then also to have the compassion, because some of the stories you recounted just dreadful. My friend uh, come home from Vietnam, drove for two days and nights to get to go to Easter service with his mother, going to surprise her. He got there and he was looking kind of ratty and kind of nasty after being out in the weather for a couple, three days and started up the steps of a big fancy church. And some of the deacons said, where do you think you're going? He said, I'm coming in here to go to church with my mom. They said, not looking like that, you're not. And so he wasn't allowed to go to church. And isn't it a shame that for 20 years he wouldn't darken the doors of a church because he didn't feel welcome. No soldier likes war. Soldiers hate war worse than anybody because we know what it's like. We know what it costs. And yet we certainly love freedom a lot more. And sometimes it takes that just to keep the freedom that we have. So I think if I was going to say to America, wake up today, i say it's time to get on our knees and repent. And it's so interesting to me with Iraq going on to hear them soldiers talking about the Lord, talking about God, talking about thank God. I'm going, isn't it a shame that it takes a crisis for this country to recognize once again that there is a God that is in control and our country needs to come back to that. John Steer, author of Wounded Soldier. Gary Horton is a courageous former Army Ranger who fought in Vietnam, but now goes into schools as a motivational assembly speaker. We've sold out to security versus freedom. We want to be secure, but there is no security apart from faith in Christ. There is none. I'm so proud that the United States military trained us rangers to do the impossible. And I would love to take what I've learned from that perspective and show these young kids out here how to fight the spiritual battle and stand our ground against the evil of this day and be heroes of the faith while there's yet time. Now, Gary, do you actually say this in public schools? They immediately give me their disclaimers, please do not do the following things. And they try to gag me and they try to say, don't mention anything about God or about Christ. But they must understand that I do not speak where I will ever leave out the only one who can change this world, the only one who can recycle the human soul. I refuse to give up that. But I'm frustrated because I was talking at a middle school and I gave them John 3.16. The principal shook my hand on the way to the office but got on the phone and called ahead to warn those that I was a troublemaker, that I was offensive by saying that. They're not allowing you your freedom of speech about Jesus in the public schools. I mean, basically, there's no neutrality. Yeah, as a soldier, you fought for freedom of speech. You offered your life. And yet, when you come back to this country, you're not given that freedom you fought for. And I tell them that. I said, I never thought I would live in a nation where I was honored to raise my hand and swear to defend our Constitution against enemies, foreign or domestic, with my life if necessary. And now I stand before you 
and I realize that I have lost the freedom of speech because I'm a Christian. But you know what gets me is they would allow an Islamic cleric to come in and give an assembly to describe the Islamic faith. They let homosexuals go in and persuade these young little innocent children how wonderful homosexuality is, and yet they won't let a Christian come in. And the sad thing to me is that it's been allowed to happen, not because of what Satan's done or not because of what the politics have done, but because the so-called believers in Jesus has compromised and been willing to back down in order to avoid controversy, in order to avoid losing their job. We're in a battle. Are you willing to get into this war because this war is for which we have been called? What they're saying is, in essence, they want to outlaw every Christian in the public schools of America. That's what the separation of church and state actually comes down to. And ultimately, that's what they hope to do. They hope to destroy any understanding of Christianity because if they, once they do that, then the sky's the limit. You can believe anything you want. I'm surprised there's still lines on the basketball courts in the high schools <laughs> because the lines don't move. <laughs> By the way, would you bring that basket down so us shorter old guys can play? It Come probably on. will. Well, it's like the guy said, if you want to get rid of crime, throw out all the laws. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and now we have a lawless nation reaping what we have sown. The schools are out of control. I'm surprised teachers don't get black jackets and combat pay. Once you have destroyed absolute standard at the Ten Commandments, which is the Magna Carta of freedom, and a nation that no longer honors God's divine laws, welcome to chaos and welcome to the destruction of our great and wonderful land. Gary, I think it might be interesting for people to know how you came to know the truth. I grew up in a very bitter environment simply because I saw a preacher cut down one of my dear friends because he was black. And that so turned me against what I thought God and church and all the rest. I went out to prove that this whole thing was nothing but a lie until I ran into some people who lived the love of Christ in their life. And I went to a camp for kids at a rescue mission, and I saw their love, even though I was so antagonistic and so mad. And I was there to kind of mess up their little game, I thought, but I could not break their love. And when I saw the love of Christ inside their lives toward me, it broke me. It literally broke me, and I began to say, God, maybe I've been unfair. Maybe I've been blaming you for those hypocrites and those bigots and those fools. When I figured out that God loved me, and I found out that God had a purpose for my life, I wanted to know with all my heart what was that purpose, that God wanted me to work with kids who had a broken heart just as much as I did. When you were in the Rangers, you actually jumped out of airplanes in parachutes. Yes. You were doing some pretty heavy-duty stuff. We're talking to a, a military hero here. I want to thank you for serving our country, because now, look at years later you're paying for it the outer man decays but the inner man is renewed day by day the young marine who had served faithfully in desert storm walked up and handed me this uh, poem and he said his grandfather has started it and he finished it he said remember me america i was once your son i fought and died at valley forge with general washington i was there again at gettysburg on that tragic tragic day when brother fought against brother the blue against the gray i was there with teddy roosevelt a charge called san juan hill Some came back to fight again, but I just lay there still. I was there at Pearl Harbor on a day called Infamy, and I'm still there with my shipmates at the bottom of the sea. D-Day, June 6, 1944. We stormed the beaches of Normandy. We fought uphill every inch of the way. We routed those Germans and we pushed them back, but oh, the price we had to pay. I heard the SEALs say one night in Korea, we can take it, I know we will. So I died again in a place they named Port Chop Hill. Vietnam, Vietnam, when will we ever learn? I'm one of many thousands who never did return. 
I left my town, my wife, my kids, my home so dear and warm, and died again in a scud attack in a place called Desert Storm. So in my eternity, my thoughts will go to thee. I won't forget you, America. But please, America, do not forget me. Mm. Well, that brought tears to my eyes. Boy, all the young men that have died for this country, we must continue the fight. We have to fight now because it is a cultural war, and we cannot give up. And as hard as life is, there's only one person who can continually recycle the human life. It was battered and scarred, and the auctioneer thought it was scarcely worth his while to spend much time with that old violin, but he held it up with a smile. What am I bid, good folks, cried he, who will start the bidding for me? One dollar. Can I get two? Two dollars. Can I get three? Three dollars once? Three dollars twice? It was going and ready to go. But from the room far back stepped a gray-haired man who picked it up with a bow. And wiping off that violin and tightening those strings, he played a melody so clear and pure as sweet as an angel sings. When the music stopped, the auctioneer, in a voice that was quiet and low, said, Now what am I bid for that old violin as he held it up with a bow? One thousand. Can I get two? Two thousand. Someone give me three. Three thousand once. Three thousand twice. Going and gone, cried he. Some people cheered. Some cried. But some didn't understand. What changed its worth? The answer came back, the touch of the master's hand. For many a life have been battered and scarred and stained by the wages of sin and bartered cheap to that thoughtless crowd, much like the old violin. But this world will scoff and go their own way, and some will never understand what changed that life and what saved that soul was the touch of the Master's hand. The touch of the Master's hand. Isn't that really what changes a heart, transforms not only an individual, but a family, a school, and a school, a nation. And it's only the Lord Jesus Christ who can change the individual and the nation. He is the one who can pick up a life that is considered ruined, and just like he can pick up our nation and our culture, and he can transform it into something good. That everything we have, our Constitution, our foundation, came from biblical Christianity. Our educational system has failed to teach our history. They have rewritten the history books. If God says, my word, my truth shall set you free, what is the opposite of that? Those who hear these things and do not pay attention to them, he said, you're like a house built on sand, and I think America now has destroyed its own foundation, and it's going to take a big storm to show those who stand and those who don't. And I stand up with boldness to these kids and talk about what it means to be an American, and then what it means to have a faith in a living Savior. There's no other name on this earth given among men whereby these kids could be delivered. And we had that opportunity, and we had that voice, and we were silent. The blood has to be on our hands. Freedom is never free. It's not cheap. I speak in high schools, and I lift up not just our flag, but I lift up the greatest soldier, the greatest hero, the Lord Jesus Christ, who uh, walked up the greatest, most lonely battlefield in history called Golgotha and fought all by himself against the forces of sin, death, evil, and reconciled in his love and mercy. The only reason for all of us to still find hope and destiny here, and of course, being the ultimate warrior, he not only went to hell for us, but three days later walked out and said, I am the resurrection and I am the life. And that gives hope and purpose for all of us. Without knowing our history, without knowing where we came from, then what is the motivation for the future? Where in the world can we find a generation of young people today who are willing to stick their neck out and even die for the things they believe if they don't realize that that's the very reason we're still free. And if we rob our young people, the concept of our heroes who believed it was worth fighting and dying for, giving the spiritual reason that God ordained liberty and freedom and die by saying greater love hath no one than this, 
than to give his life for his friends. The students have a right to hear about God in public schools. I think that's one of the biggest crimes of this century. All I've been asked to do in this world is to follow my Savior. He just said, follow me. He took his own medicine. He's not asking us to bear a cross anywhere near the one that he had to bear. I'd like to give a testimony of a young African missionary who had lost his freedom. And as they took him to prison, they found this nailed to his door. This should be the cry of every one of us who claim to love him. We say he's worth it all. And yet, why is it we can't say what this dear brother said before he spent time in prison? He said, I am part of the fellowship of the unashamed. I have God's Holy Spirit's power. The die has been cast. I've stepped over the line. The decision has been made. I am a disciple of his. I won't look back. Let up. My past is redeemed. I will lean on his presence. I will walk by patience, lifted by prayer, and labor by power. My face is set. My goal is heaven. My road is narrow. My way may be rough. My companions may be few. My guide is reliable. My mission is clear. I cannot be bought, compromised, detoured, lured away, turned back, deluded, or delayed. I will not flinch in the face of sacrifice. I won't give up, shut up, let up, till I've stayed up, stored up, prayed up, and paid up and preached up for the cause of my Savior. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I will go till He comes, and when He comes for me, He will not have any problem recognizing who I am. My banner will be clear. Powerful. How can we look at Calvary and say, Lord, you've asked too much of me. And I pray that these words may have hugged a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, someone who lost a family member or a dear friend, that they didn't die in vain. And I'm thankful for eternity that God keeps the books. And one day we'll have a reunion and a celebration and a welcome home that will last forever. This nation was a gift of freedom by Jesus Christ who came to set the captives free. In the history of the world, this nation was established as one nation under God. And it's worth retaking for Jesus Christ because it's a stepping stone for the propagation of the gospel to the ends of the earth. If you would like a CD copy of today's program, please ask for number... Number 1782, Valiant Vets. That's number 1782, Valiant Vets. You can order a CD copy of this program from our website. Our website is issuesineducation.org. That's issuesineducation.org. And please give us a call at 928-776-0000. That's 928-776-0000. Zero, 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 zero. From Romans fifteen thirteen. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him that you may abound in hope through the power of the Holy Spirit.